Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks. Our heroes have returned to the town of Elderwood, the home of the inhabitants of the Isle of Dread in the elemental plane of water. I'm sorry, I need to say the Isle of Dread. They've just finished uncovering a teleportation circle near an active volcano, which will make travel between the planes safer and easier. Returning from their successful mission, they now focus on their ultimate goal on this plane. Find one of the legendary instruments of the bards. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I have grapefruit juice and vodka because on a regular basis when I'm stymied for something to drink, we tend to just always have juice in the house. We tend to always just have a handle of Tito's. So I just put the two together. And it's actually quite good and refreshing, especially since this is grapefruit juice that is the juice that is the leftovers from... Uh, I buy those big plastic jars, jugs full of grapefruit that has already been like cut up and put into a thing and they don't add any sugar or anything. So I just take that juice and I pour it into a cup and I add some vodka. So it is, yeah, it's got some grapefruit pieces in it, but that's okay. So I might be chewing my juice. I don't mind. Carlton, what are you drinking? So wait, the bardic instrument was our ultimate goal here, not distributing zucchini? Listen, <laughs> that is... What the DM has expressed unto you is your ultimate goal. What your characters believe is a completely different thing, and I wholeheartedly support, and I'm here for your <laughs> zucchini exploits. I have Louisburg apple cider that I'm drinking from my 2001 Burger King Gandalf goblet. <laughs> from the Lord of the Rings release. It literally says December 2001 on it. I love that you, it's the Burger King That's where I Gandalf. got it from. Everybody knows what this goblet is. That was like watching one of those tweets that have 3 billion TMs and a C at the end for copyright. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Burger King even still a thing or is it just gone forever? No, Burger, no, King, Burger King, King is still, still around. Still around. Yeah. Yeah. I listen okay. to Face Jam. Burger King's still a thing. Okay. I have not seen a Burger King in a very, very long time. And, and maybe I just black it out because when I was young, when I was in high school, like I think everyone should have to, I worked a part-time job at a fast food restaurant and it was Burger King. And I will never enter a Burger King ever again after that. But I also haven't seen one in, in a while. However, it's a very nice mug. Goblet? It's a very nice goblet. Very nice goblet. They used mm. to have these little things that clipped on the bottom that would light it up. Like for a display, Ooh. but those are long gone. <laughs> but I got I sold the glasses. I'm impressed you sold the glass. I'm sure you could kit bash something together. I and could. What, I have the technology. You have the technology and you have the smarts. You know who else does? Bernie, what are you drinking? Okay. Friends. Romans. Countrymen? Countrymen. Country women? Country, Country peoples? Women. Well, it's a. Vedies uh, and gentle thems? Literally a, a romance <laughs> language, which means, unfortunately, that one male in a group of no matter what your gender is turns the entire word male. Mm. Don't worry. If you're angry about that, I've been angry about that since ninth grade. If this is something you also feel anger over, 
I feel you deeply. Maybe you also took Latin. Maybe you also threw a tantrum in Latin and class and then threw a tantrum in your Italian class and have thrown another tantrum in your French class. Romance languages, ladies and gentlemen. But like I said, it's an auspicious day. I looked out, I saw the birds, and I have an IPA. And I mm. like this IPA. Mm. So there is a wonderful local brewery called Flora Hall, and you can get takeout from them, and you can also get their beer. And we got takeout from them a while back, and we got beer, but we only split one because it was a weeknight, and I'm a lame But it was really good, and I've been saving the other one to have here could, to show and share you with you guys the fact that there's an IPA I like. So I'm impressed. I'm going to have to try this because you and I usually feel the same way about IPAs. Frankly, I'm shocked. It's so good. It's the floor. Your face, your face is so shocked, Jack. I thought this day, there are those who said this day would never come. What are they to say now? I don't know. They're, I don't know. It's fair to say that Florida was that Florida Hall. Is Flora that? Hall. It's Flora. on. It's on Flora Street, and it's their Northeast IPA. I thought you found something from Florida. No, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, it's a little hoppy, but it's not. It's got flavor that's not hops, which is how a beer should be, and it doesn't leave that kind of hoppy aftertaste in your mouth. Hmm. That was always my problem with IPAs. Yeah, yeah. it's just like. Hops are fine, and if you like hops, and if you just want to, like, guzzle, like, hops, that's cool. There are millions of IPAs out there. In fact, when I'm trying to find beers that aren't IPAs, I often just run into IPAs for days. But we no longer have to overhop our beers in order to get around the Horn of Africa and and get <laughs> our <laughs> and get our scurvy-ridden crew to India. And I maybe maybe it was the scurvy talking that they thought the IPA is so good. If you got scurvy, wow, we do have to talk, and you should put mm. the podcast down and make a call to your doctor. But this is a good beer if you are in the Ottawa area. Uh, I highly, highly recommend getting some takeout from Flora Hall, grabbing this beer or any of their others. Their menu is seasonal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Nice. And and now I have more goals for when it is safe to travel. Uh, and I come up to visit you in Ottawa. We're we're gonna go to this place. Oh, I'm, I I'm have excited. A list of breweries that I have been keeping for when all of you come visit, and I can take you all to all the wonderful breweries that are also pl- pl- like non-alcoholic beverages and food to eat. There's quite a few good ones in Ottawa. I like this plan. You know what I also like? Who I also like? Travancore. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is once again the Blue Moon Light Sky Citrus Wheat with the mm. tangerine peel brewed so I can avoid the near cur- occasion of scurvy. Hi, I'm Blue- Jack. <laughs> We've made several jokes about scurvy, but scurvy is a disease that kills 4,000 people every 1,000 years. <laughs> is that real? Did you look that up just now? N- no, it's uh, I'm actually stealing the rabies quote. I, so I, I'm listening <laughs> to the office ladies. Hold on, we can't make jokes about rabies because I almost got rabies. My dad did too. Like it's a whole thing, but um, so <laughs> that joke usually, actually yes. comes from a deleted scene from The Office season four, episode one. I've been listening to the Office Ladies podcast. Uh, Jenna, Angela, you're welcome for the plug. <laughs> but um, so they actually talk about a deleted scene where um, Steve Carell basically does a "The More You Know," where he, he gives that, but he's Michael Scott talking about all these wrong information about rabies because in the episode, Mary uh, gets hit by a car, but. Finds out she has rabies and gets a shot, so Michael it's got inadvertently saves Meredith's life. Spoiler warning for a 15-year-old episode of TV. <laughs> 
it's fine. But it's uh, fine. But let's t- back to the back to the beer. Let's try this one more time. You've you've had this multiple times, and you have been I just consistently. Like it. Yeah, it's good. Like as far as I never saw myself as a light beer guy. But that is the, those are the cards that I got dealt, and I gotta beat Sato Kaiba, so I gotta have, leave the heart of the cards. I love everything about what you've said <laughs> in the last minute and a half is quintessential Jack, and, and one of the main reasons that we love you. And you know who we also love? Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular, and tonight... What antiquated disease do you have? Is it, <laughs> is it scurvy? Cholera. Cholera. Um, do you Typhoid. have the vapors? The plague. Typhus. Oh, the plague. That sounds Which plague? That sounds terrible. That sounds awful. But mm. you'll get better. Yeah, go better. Uh, <laughs> Maybe tonight, malaria. I do, have a, I do not have a seltzer. I have a classic uh, cola and rum. It is quite mm. good. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of rum, and this is my second one, so that's mm. fun. Hold on. I'm going to say that facing the mic because I have my mic settings very low. And whenever I do put down my drink, it's always soft. I have a rum and cola. It's quite good. It's very delicious. I love how you're like, I'm going to do this facing the mic. And then you immediately went into NPR. Yeah. He's like, like which, which camera is my camera? And not just NPR, but you went into like, yeah. And tonight shot a fireball to be consumed at the first casting of fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to Elliot Page. Elliot, thank you for sharing your journey with us. Welcome to the Dude Club. And <laughs> uh, I'm glad that this is a step in the correct direction for how the media treats trans people. And hopefully this example will be a good one for all the trans people that we already know and love. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers to Elliot Page. Elliot mm. Page. It Salute. takes a well, whole fucking lot to come do something like that in your personal life and to do it publicly is yeah. a whole nother step. Yep, absolutely. And hopefully every time it happens, it takes a little bit less to do that. So so with that, we are <laughs> going to seamlessly transition. Very seamlessly. <laughs> back to the world of fantasy where... You can be anything and anyone and people accept you for who you are, although they might just have questions about, you know, what 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 are you? Because you might be a bird person, but then they just accept you. They might have never seen a turtle before and they're very excited. Exactly. Well, that's that's the key is the excitement. I have not seen this kind of person before. And this is awesome. Also, baby turtles are cute. You are entering the town of Elderwood. It is late at night. It is very, very late. You spend most of the day after being rained on by fish, trying to get back to the town. Successfully, Quat, your guide, has led you through the winding path that slowly opened up into a much more well-walked, traveled path. You've gotten through the main gates from the, the jungles and have entered the town well after there is no longer light in the sky, it's easily... You know what we've never figured out? Jonathan, you've got that that feature that lets you know exactly what time it is all the time, correct? Right. And it's been wonky here, as has been the ability to, to pick out north. Basically, as you described it when we landed, my compass is spinning here. Yeah. Your time has been less wonky, I'm going to say. Because it feels like this is still a same 24-hour day that you would expect in a 24-hour 
you know, full day as you would expect in Faerun, it's close enough for jazz. You feel it's off. You feel like like the moment you step through the gates and you're wondering, oh, I wonder what time it is. And the instinct is it's 1042 at night. And then something in the back of your head is like, give or take five minutes, which doesn't happen. That never happens. <laughs> your your internal clock never says give or take. But here it does. And you're kind of getting used to that. So it is very late. Most of the town is either asleep or the variety of houses that make up this town. You can see lights on. You can see people have, have gone to get their rest. And Quat leads you... He leads you back to one of the guest quarters. It's not the same one that you stayed in the first night that you got here, but it's they're all kind of ubiquitous. This one is more like a long log cabin, but is still laid out in a similar fashion of one larger common room with some places to put store some equipment and a variety of beds and a door off the back to be able to go to a privy. And he brings you to one of these spaces and says, Well, I did not know if you wanted to go anywhere else, but it is late. And I am not taking you to my home because I did not think you would want to hear my mate yelling at me and then us making up. Uh, so we can... Do you need to debrief or anything? I am supposed to debrief with you and get all kinds of information about any groups that go out. Usually I can do that on my own, but there was a lot going on. So uh, would you mind seeing me tomorrow and I will get any additional details that I need? Tomorrow is excellent. Jonathan the Magimuscular is very low energy. He's like, yeah, sounds good. Like he's been carrying, he doesn't need to, but he's been carrying a small flame in his hand and it is... It's turning orange. Oh, no. Oh, but. Oh, <laughs> Wizard needs sleep badly. Well, unless there's anything else you want to say to Quat, he will take his leave and leave you at the door of this this hut. Has uh, John, uh, this is for Jonathan the player, not Jonathan the character. Has, has Jonathan the character expressed his feeling that his compass is spinning? I think he probably mentioned it uh, when we were trying to get to the island. Uh, be, uh, I I know uh, Lauren mentioned it to me around that time. I don't know if I expressly said anything about it, but I don't I don't I don't see why Jonathan the Med Muscular wouldn't have shared that. This is not lost. He would have told you guys stuff <laughs> and not held on to random secrets for no reason. Like anyway, sorry, okay. I'm projecting just, a little. I just like sometimes people deal with sometimes your character is dealing with something internally. That's totally fine. Brady says I thinking our plane well we live we live on a sphere and has two poles do you think we're on a pole wouldn't the compass spin if we were on the pole jonathan the muscular, you kind of wake him up a little bit because like and his flame starts to turn blue again and he says that's jonathan the muscular hadn't considered that either we are on a pole of this plane or this plane has no poles, and thus my ability to define north is based on a dual pole magnetic system. Maybe it's got many poles. Maybe, Maybe it's a cube. Jonathan, do a nature check. Ooh. I will give you advantage because Bernie has given you this idea. Excellent. 
I introduced the advantage disadvantage to some friends uh, on D and D Beyond a couple of weeks ago, and they love it. Oh, They're you, like, you this mean is... like just rolling, being able to right click yeah. and roll, or yeah? Uh, that's a twenty, soft twenty. Uh, with a soft twenty, you think it might be the latter. You think it might be that this plane has no poles because while both are options that you've presented that are scientifically possible and explain the phenomena you are feeling the second one there's a gut instinct there there's something about the idea of the size of this place especially since for all you know the isle of dread is the only land mass that is in this entire plane of existence with that in mind it feels like this plane has no poles is the right answer. Obviously, you have no hard evidence of that, but something about that one feels right. It's one of the few times where you can say, I feel like something's true, and that might actually be how it is. If only because the way your particular talent works is a feeling. You know there is no... There's no even magical spell behind it. It is your feeling the if you can imagine the poles in D&D are like magical ley lines that are just laid out in a different way and doing different things. And it's not that magic is missing, it's those lines are missing. Those those places that it's concentrated are missing and that's what's disorienting you in in a in a little tiny way not to the extent that it's making it's causing you any harm or discomfort but mostly it's it's annoying and yeah you have the feeling that it's just how this place works so while jonathan and bernie are having this discussion about magnetic poles and trying to figure this out i'm over here with travancore and i'm like so i've been thinking yeah man you do pretty much you're the one doing like 90 percent of the inspections on the modrons right like you spent a lot of time up and close and personal with them you've done a couple of them too but if i remember i know but i haven't noticed it have you noticed if any of them have a spiralizer attachment because i got a fuck ton of zucchini i need to do something with what kind of check do i uh, do to see if they have a spiralizer <laughs> attachment uh you know for a fact no none of them currently have any attachments that could be used as kitchen implements they're, been, they're not KitchenAid mixers. They're yeah, Modrons. They've been amazingly useful at what they have, but I don't think they have anything in excess of what they are, we've already seen. How am I going yeah. to do with all the zucchini? <laughs> Maybe I can well, ask them to spiralize it by hand. Well, here's the thing. They're I really efficient at things. Do things go bad in the pocket house? Yes. So both the pocket do, house okay. and the bag of holding, time continues to pass. Yeah, the bag of holding zucchini is for the town. But we still have a lot of zucchini at home. Yes. That is why the Everfresh box that you have, while small, is useful because it specifically delays the the decay of, of organic matter. But yes, in both of those cases, time continues. And, and Travancore would know this because you've noticed when you arrive at the pocket house, it conforms to the same time of day as wherever you currently are. And the Modrons have a sense of time passage. And you all know that you are supposed to visit on a regular enough basis to 
assuage Rachel's concerns, I guess would be the the appropriate way of putting it. So yes, you you both know that time passes in the pocket house. Can I do an insight check to know, feel if we have been visiting often enough to assuade her? Uh, you don't have to do an insight check. You know you have been. Okay. Because um, you good. were told. I was like, <laughs> Bernie's going to raise her head from the discussion on polls and she's going to say, Farmer's Market, Carlton. And then she's going to look <laughs> over at Jonathan and she's going to say, Sell Julia the player who doesn't actually know a lot about gravity. <laughs> is about to ask a question about gravity and assume that we live in a world that that has somehow figured out the laws of gravity. And she's going to say, Jonathan, so we know there's not poles. And we understand that the reason that the world we are from holds us onto that world is because, and, and people who know science can correct me on this here right now, and I might look it up, but... Okay, before we continue this discussion, my understanding is that part of the reason gravity exists is because the Earth's mass, and thus it it pulls us in. Yeah, everything in the universe pulls everything, but the mass and the proximity are in effect what the force of it would be. So, Earth is big, it pulls on us, Sun is even bigger, pulls on everything in the solar system. Okay, I was just making sure, it's been a minute, I I know it's dumb to like be like, let me question how gravity works. It's just a force that exerts on me day to day. I don't think about it. Also, artificers live in your world. And so I'm just going to flat out say science exists. And yes, everyone in Feyre knows that the world is round. Please continue. I think we know the world is round because certain religious groups would have been watching the moons and the suns and paying attention to eclipses and understanding that the shadow cast upon our moons is round. In this world, people actually pay attention and trust science. I'm just saying that maybe before science was able to give us an explanation, nobody in the religious world thought any different because they noticed the shadows cast on the moon were round and never assumed our Earth was flat, unlike some other idiots, but that's fine. All right, so Bernie's <laughs> going to look at Jonathan. She's going to say, so, like, I don't feel like I'm being pulled any less or any more. I don't know if I'd know. I don't know if I'd know if I, I, I was. And Bernie's just, like, picking up a foot and putting it down. And, like, jumping a little. And she's, like, looking at Jonathan for answers. And she's going to say, there's no poles here. And we don't know if it's the same shape. Do you think it's got the same mass? And she just is, like, jumping. She's just, like, looking at Jonathan. And she's like, gravity doesn't feel different. But I don't know a lot about gravity. Does Bernie's armor have one of those, like, rescue holds on the back of your armor? Where, like, someone could pull you if, you like, your legs didn't work? So you could be dragged on the ground. Or... I assume so if that's a thing that a lot of armor has. People who know about armor and gravity are going to really need to weigh in here. I'll, I'll say even if it doesn't have a specific rescue hold, it's got a place. Okay, so Jonathan the Magic Muscular, when you jump, Jonathan's going to catch you and lift you up a little. Like just to test your weight. Uh, and uh, and then put you back uh, down. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Okay, um, okay. No, you don't okay. feel any different. Not that, we, not that I... Do that a lot. 42 pounds. I don't know what it is with armor, but I'm 42 pounds. So I think what is going on is that while our material plane is very much based in the realm of science and is and is subject to the forces of science, I believe that the elemental plane of water is very much subject to the forces of magic. And I think that there is some artifice going on where magic is emulating 
aspects of the material plane, since that's what the elemental plane of water was based on. It, the, the material plane was more of a template for the elemental planes, which are a little weirder. So I think the magic is is sort of inducing gravity. It's inducing a, a light in the sky, a, a sourceless point of light that really is a little disturbing for Jonathan the Magimuscular. Yeah, it's, I'm not. I'm not a, not a fan. I can't see the stars. So is it basically our pocket dimension on a larger scale? I believe so. Do you think anything could ever disrupt the magic that creates an alternative plane to the point where these things go wonky? Like, I assume that this plane is not... I imagine there are planes that exist in and of themselves and are not... Their existence is not tethered to another plane. This one is, I guess. Jonathan, you would know it's less tethered and more an overlap. There is... There's... Just like a lot of the elemental planes and the Feywild and some other of the closer planes, tethered indicates connections. This is overlap, which just means the possibility of of ease of travel, but not as much. What Bernie is talking about wouldn't necessarily apply. As we're starting to go into our cabin, Jonathan the Magimuscular is, while we're still outside, he's going to slow his walk a little bit and be like, Bernie, that actually reminds me of something that, that has been on Jonathan the Magimuscular's mind a little more. And you've, w- with what you were just talking about, it, it reminded Jonathan the Magimuscular of, of something that I, that, that I experienced. You, do you remember when we were fighting the Ucloth and... I cast that dark star spell. Um, I don't know that I'm ever going to forget it. So, and this is something that I discussed a little bit with Professor Chugas, but I, I felt the forces of gravity flowing through me. Normally, I channel when I channel arcane energy, it's familiar things, force, which is sort of a, a weaker form of of that, uh, uh fire. Uh, I, I think I might be able to pick up uh, some lightning at some point. When I manipulated gravity, I felt the most powerful I've ever felt. I felt like I could rip a planet apart. Oof. It was a little scary. So I absolutely believe that there is a force out there that could destroy a plane based on magic and undo it. Now, here's the other question I have for you. Do you think this dragon that we're going to face has that kind of power? No. Well, that's good. I think this dragon is powerful, more powerful than us. And seeing as that I have left that school of magic behind unfortunately, um, and and promised not to wield its power again unsupervised. I was there. That counts as supervision. <laughs> but at this point, Jonathan the Magimuscular, like, kind of like, he, he comes down from his Malden attitude and kind of like gives Bernie a shoulder rub. And it's like, I know, I'm, I'm very glad you were there. Genuinely. But I, uh, yeah, we've got our work cut out for it. So we're going to have to figure out some way to, to, leverage on this dragon and figure out how we can come to an agreement well 
I hope it is an agreement, and for what it's worth, I know how you feel. It's a strange and weird thing to have the power of life and death flow through your body, and I imagine it's something like having the power of gravity flow through you. It's not a thing you should really have flowing through you, if I'm being honest. Power was not meant for for us, but uh, we're going to use it anyway. Yeah. I mean, sparingly, I think, is sort of the key. I don't think anybody should get used to it. I feel like... Being scared is the right reaction. I'm very glad I can bring you all back from the dead. But I don't think anybody should ever be comfortable with the ability to give or take life. Or, for that matter, give or take, um, you know, how much the world pulls you down. Jonathan the Muscular is going to look one way, look another. Speaking of which, it's a little bit more exciting. I'm working on something. Bernie's going to lean in. You say, yeah. So while I will not be wielding the power of dunamancy, don't forget that I said that word. uh, uh, (laughs) uh, While I won't be wielding that particular school of magic, it has yielded some advancements on some research I was doing. Remember how I said I felt like I could rip apart a planet? Yes, yes, that's a... um... I don't think I'm going to forget that either. I'm very close to being able to rip apart a very small one. Oh. It's exciting. It, it, Bernie, it's going to combine both my fire and this gravity. And I, I believe that the, that the Blackstaff can already do something similar. She's said as much. So, and I'm very close to figuring it out for myself. I know the Blackstaff has... The interests of Waterdeep at heart. But there's something about her I don't really trust. I think it's because she is a... She is a very shrewd woman. She is very committed to her cause. And she doesn't have the checks against using such a power. The the morality checks. Well, She doesn't have a you. In that case... I'm glad that she will soon not be the only one that can rip a tiny planet in half. It is good to have someone of equal power there to remind you that you are not the only powerful person in the world. And if we're going to be keeping to this agreement with Thontorvrak, I'm going to have to stay in that picture for a while. I'm, that's, that's, this is a gig that I don't plan on leaving, making sure that the transfer and transfer back of these instruments, once we have them all, uh, it continues. Um, I and maybe we will all that. Maybe that's our our lot after this. We're keepers of a peace. Maybe. Now, uh, I'm kind of tired. Yeah, it's oh, been God. a long couple of days. <laughs> At this point, Jonathan the Magic Muscular's flame goes back to yellow. His mind, he's like he's given back to the tired. <laughs> As you're having this conversation, you've entered the room, you, you, you've entered the hut, you've dropped off your equipment, you've, you've been doing like the end of day stuff to get ready for going to bed. So Bernie's like, like pulling on the socks she always wears to bed because her, she's tiny and she, uh, her feet get cold. (laughs) And she says, um, when you were doing that magic that shall not be named, did it leave you with a craving for the spice? 
<laughs> I'm glad Jack gets it. Thank you. How, how did how did you know about that? <laughs> the melange. I've been holding up to that one since you said Dunamancy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or I was like sitting on that one for a while. He knows that fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. Muadib, Muadib. Okay, done. Y'all are the worst. Travancore, as you <laughs> Listen, are we're getting, getting we're getting Dune at home next year. Oh, I'm happy. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah. Really happy. Yeah. Dune at home. That makes it sound like it's going to be like a reality TV show. Dune at home. <laughs> oh, House Harkonnen's at it again. <laughs> Gather round, travelers, to hear our tale. What can I say about the Venture Maidens? As much as I want to just go on and on gushing about my favorite podcast, I'll try and keep it short. The players are absolutely fantastic. I think my favorite thing about the Maidens is the way they collaborate with their fan base. They've created a community for us that they're also a part of. If you enjoy having your heartstrings pulled out of your chest whilst floundering for air and weaving silently to yourself because Celeste's descriptions of literally anything will make you wish you, too, were about to embark on an epic adventure with three killer ladies. Really killer. It killed a lot. This story is epic. I have cried tears, and I am not kidding. I have so many favorite moments. Kara's hangover routine, Sawyer's workouts, Arnadel's awkward flirting. I just love you guys so much. There's a lot of Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcasts out there, so why should you care about the Venture Maidens? Well, if you like games that don't shy away from heartbreak and romance, this is the podcast for you. If you're looking for a podcast where character development is just as important as slaying monsters, this is the podcast for you. And lastly, there's an episode where everyone does their best Godzilla impressions. You gotta hear it. Join the Venture Maidens on Twitch, YouTube, or wherever podcasts are free. And don't forget to venture away. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams in a single grand adventure. And it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Silver and Steel, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on December 20th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. T-O-O-N-S-L-A-T-Z-E-Z-E so use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got for your champions. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. Travancore, as, as you are also getting ready for bed, Shadow, for once, is not just content to lie on the floor next to your bed. But as you start to climb into the bed, he, he tries to actually join you in bed at the foot of the bed like he's gonna curl up like a like a cat now of course the bed doesn't break or anything <coughs> it's a very well-made bed but it is not big enough for the two of you and while you have a moment in where his bulk is not just normally warm because he's a big fuzzy black bear but he's a little extra warm now because of this new 
power of his. And for a moment, it's kind of nice. You're not going to lie. But he can't, he can't fit. It's just obvious. He lays down and like half his rump is off of one end and half of his head is hanging off of another. And he'll get up and carefully move around. And it's obvious that he wants your contact. And while he might be feeling very empowered, he's also looking for some reassurance. And he's looking for it in the form of curling up like a cat on your feet, except he is a multi-pound bear. Travancore is going to take the bedding on the bed and its existing kit for when he sleeps outside. And he's going to sort of make a makeshift uh, sort of super bed for him and Shadow to curl up on the, on the ground. It's funny, up until Shadow's warmth, Travancore is all about, oh, maybe I'll go outside for a little bit, walk around. When am I ever going to be here again after our business is done here? But after feeling Shadow and feeling that need, Travancore is just like, all right, buddy, I know what you need. It's been a day. And he gives Shadow some extra scratches, sets up the super floor bed, actually, as best he can. Like, I don't know if there's a mattress there. Or he can also move to the ground, so Travancore, at least part of him, is on the mattress. Yeah, the beds are all um, straw-filled mattresses. It's something nice and, and soft and clean, and the, the sheets are all nice and clean. It's not, you know, five-star hotel, but sure. it's comfy, and he can definitely take it off the bed, put it onto the floor. Tyler, of course, is going to do all of that, like setting up the, the, the mattress part as like pillows for both him and Shadow with their supplemental bedding, like holding his the rest of him up. Because Travancore isn't much of Travancore. Travancore is like five foot, like three, five foot four or something. He's even shorter than I am, which is an interesting choice that I made. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he knows that Shadow needs this, so he's going to just uh, call it an early night and then explore tomorrow. And Shadow not only is obviously appreciative, he, he big tongue comes out and licks the side of your face and then he repositions himself on the floor at the foot, quote unquote, of your bed and kind of does the thing where he leans up against your feet. So if you want to tuck your feet under his bulk and get that warmth. And yeah, he's he was warm before. He's a hot water bottle now. And on a on the cool night of the the Isle of Dread, which when the light is gone, gets a little cool. It's kind of nice. And you think, we're going to go back to Waterdeep and this is going to be really nice. Normally, a stoic who survives in all kinds of weather just deals with whoever's outside as a naturalist. Travancore does not allow himself often to think of comfort. At least he hasn't since he left home. But this is nice. And it's also nice because you're being offered comfort. Uh, so while everyone's kind of bedding down and going to bed, Carlton's going to kind of sneak out to the beach. Because there's like a beach part of this town, right? Like where we. Yeah, by sneak, are you trying to leave without anybody noticing? Not necessarily. Just like, but quietly, so I'm not disturbing those who are trying to get some sleep. So, like, I'm not trying to be like, dee, 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 but like, I'm also not being <laughs> my normal Carlton. Burst through everything. I just imagine that Carlton's not a good sneaker, and so he sings dee 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 like every time he sneaks and has to be reminded in group settings that you don't need a sneaking song, and it's never exactly. been a like a. I, I feel like Travancore has put like a oh, there's a chalkboard at some point where there's a picture of someone sneaking with like little musical notes above him, and there's a big X through it. Don't do this thing. So l- let me ask this question in a different way. Are you waiting for everybody to be settled before you leave and then you're being stealthy to try to avoid waking them up? I guess, like, uh, I'll just kind of, like, take my leave as we're, like, starting to settle in. 
Okay. And just just going out for a quick brisk walk. Then I'll, I'll leave it up to the group if anybody talks to you about it. But yeah, you can definitely take off and head there. There is the beach. There is literally the the shoreline. That's where Quat's little office was, where you met him before you went on this little excursion into the the wilds of the jungle. That's where the piers leading out into the endless ocean are. So absolutely, you know how to get there without a problem. Yeah, uh, and if uh, no one stops me, uh, when I get towards the water, I want to take a look for a bunch of driftwood. Roll a perception check. All right, perception, Carlton. 16. Yeah, you find a lot of driftwood. I mean, this is a beachside town surrounded by jungle. Are you looking for anything in specific? Something I can make a little stand with, like a little, like, table, like a little farmer's market stand type (laughs) Okay, you're looking to sell the zucchini. All right. (laughs) You'll see. But yes, I I stand to put my zucchini on display. Okay, what you're missing is a... What I've pictured in my head is what Lucy has made in the Peanuts comics for um, the... the, Psychiatry Five Cents. is in. Is real in. Real real janky. Exactly. Well, less janky. Because with a 16, you're able to find some decent driftwood and you've got enough survival skills to be able to put stuff together. What you're missing is like the long flat boards to be able to present things on. So it's less that it's janky and more that it's bumpy. Carlton, you're able to collect enough driftwood to create a stand. What I do need, I'm trying to decide if I want a a survival or performance check. I feel like if you're trying to sell something... Well, I'm not selling yet. Nobody's awake. No, but you're creating this. <laughs> if you are correct about the cucumbers, you are creating this. This is this is my two cents. You're creating this with the intent to... Distribute. Yeah, yes. to distribute. So the question is, is, and I think it's a fair question to have John answer is, is he think, is he trying to build something that will entice people to come get a cucumber? Zucchini. Oh, zucchini. Sorry, zucchini. Nobody fucking wants cucumbers. Get that shit out of here. I yeah, love like cucumbers. cucumbers. Hey. John the player loves cucumbers too. Lauren and I have the same. Well, I don't have seven bushels of cucumbers. I have seven <laughs> bushels of zucchini. Lauren I have to get rid of. have the same taste buds in different bodies. Um, so I think this is a fair question. Let me ask this. Are you looking to give away or are you looking to sell the zucchini? It's going to be pay what you want or free. Okay. Then give me a survival check because you're looking less for pretty and more for functional 26 awesome a box with a sign farmer is... carlton's free range zucchini 100 <laughs> vegan technically not a lie not a lie none of that is a lie <laughs> and like you're very lucky bernie and jonathan are like asleep while you're making this sign <laughs> I, there's very important reasons why i decided to do this while you guys are like Fuck Carlton, whatever he's doing. I'm too tired to deal with this bullshit right now. <laughs> I love that he thinks that the only people who are going to have a reaction to the sign are Jonathan and, Car- and uh, Bernie. Yeah. Functional- That's because Travancore was taught intense manners <laughs> and knows <laughs> way better than to say anything. Bernie has manners. She's just going to say it. Jonathan's got manners. He's going to say it. But Travancore was taught how to like keep a fucking like diplomatic poker face. We were not. Yeah, see seasons one through four of The Crown. Everything is on the actor's face because she cannot say anything. 
And and meanwhile, I am just thinking about the thousands of other people in town. Yes, you are able to build a not just functional, but aesthetically pleasing stand. It's not the most beautiful thing. It would not be something that would necessarily attract attention. What makes it aesthetically pleasing is because you've taken the time to find driftwood from this area and you find a place that is... Oh, Lauren, I think it will attract attention. Oh yeah, it'll attract it. It'll attract attention, but not necessarily in a bad way. You've uh, been thoughtful enough to place it in a spot that is unobtrusive, but is not so removed that people won't see it. And because it's all made out of driftwood, it melds nicely into the surroundings. And so, basically, what it is is uh, what what was the name of your sign again? What would, would you put your Farmer Carlton's Free Range Zucchini? It's one hundred percent vegan. I feel like one hundred percent vegan free range zucchini is the title of this episode. <laughs> free range zucchini this does mean i'm going to be calling two episodes in a row with uh i'm going to have zucchini in the title of two episodes in a row and i'm not opposed to that okay yes it takes you about an hour or two to to build all of this and assemble all of this and and get this all ready are you leaving it and going back to bed uh yeah i guess i will set it up uh, and then first thing at first light, you know, go out and man the man the counter. All right. Yeah, you've just enough time. If you because you've put a lot of effort into the zucchini stand, you've just enough time. If you leave now, go back to bed and get up at first light to get a long rest. But it is uh, gonna be close. So, anything else anybody would like to do before we we call it a long rest? No. All right, a long rest occurs. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.